Hi, and welcome to the Directors UK podcast. On today's episode, we speak to Ben Roberts, Deputy Chief Executive of the BFI, about the BFI Film Fund. We ask Ben about the fund's success in meeting the diversity targets, what directors can do to encourage inclusion, and how they can apply to the fund. But first, Ben kicked off by telling us more about what the fund does. The BFI uh, Film Fund is lottery money, national lottery money, and we have, I'd say, three strands that are relevant to filmmakers. We have um, a talent development programme called BFI Network, which we spend about two and a half million pounds a year on developing uh, filmmakers who haven't yet made their first feature, Mm -hmm. largely through shorts, but we also have professional development programmes, masterclasses, networking, and that's run... Um, through a number of hubs across England and also through the uh, partners in Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Then we have uh, a development fund where, again, we spend roughly two and a half million pounds a year developing single project, mostly feature films, although not exclusively feature films anymore. Perhaps we'll talk about that a bit. And that equates to in the region of 100, 120 plus feature film developments a year. And then we have a production fund, which I think is what we're mostly known for, which is the largest fund. We spend about £15 million a year supporting in the region of 20 scripted features a year. And then we also partner with Doc Society, who deliver a documentary fund for us, and they're supporting, I think, around 12 to 14 feature docs a year, alongside the scripted work that we do in the film fund. Mm -hmm. So that's the money, and then I guess the thing to say in addition to the money is that we have a team of people here who are not just handing out money, but working closely with writers, directors producers on the work itself so we have an editorial team they come from a lot of different backgrounds and they're here to be a critical friend to work and uh, work particularly where it's asked for it's not always asked for (laughs) Um, and particularly around our kind of emerging talent work we um, we spend a lot of time just sort of challenging projects and pushing um, script work and then pushing cuts and just contributing another voice to the work itself. We asked Ben if he felt the UK film industry needed more risk takers since this was a focus of the BFI's latest round of funding. I think when I came to the BFI I really tried to understand what our particular role and value was because we've got a tax credit so everyone making films in the UK can access a tax credit and our fund is much more limited in scope and application so it it can't support everyone it's not a second layer of subsidy on top of the tax credit which I think it's sometimes been viewed as just a you know a public subsidy but it doesn't go very far I mean like I say 20 feature films a year in terms of production it's not enough to go around, so we have to do something quite specific with it. And it's it struck me that 
particularly with the kind of the growth of drama on television and with independent cinema struggling to compete frankly with the volume of drama that's available on television we have to really distinguish the value of independent film so that an audience will understand why it might be plonking down 10-15 quid for a cinema ticket as opposed to all the brilliant stuff that's on TV so to my mind there's just no room for mediocrity or even I mean I I mean no one's here I think there's any room for mediocrity that's not a particularly radical statement but I suppose (laughs) there's no room for just trying to replicate something that already exists I think that our role is to work to identify and work with some really striking talent and allow them to be the kind of purest version of themselves particularly on a first or second film when no one else is really going to take those risks commercially and put out work that is going to communicate most effectively to the wider industry so if it's a director to potential producers and financiers that this is who you are this is your particular voice this is what you're what, what you're going to contribute to a project and a piece of material this is how you're likely to interpret it this is your style so I think that's where that language around um, you know quite well trodden language around sort of bold and original which I know gets used quite a lot, but it's really to accentuate the specificity of a filmmaker. So that maybe by the time they're being commissioned by someone outside the public sector, whether that's television or film, they're being commissioned because everyone really understands what they are and who they are. And I, I often talk about a filmmaker like Paul King at that point, because... You know, Paul King, someone who he's a really good example of someone who came from television, mm. had a really particular style, was interested in filmmaking, was allowed and given the permission through public funding to make a pretty pure version, distilled version of who he is as a filmmaker in Bunny and the Bull. And that really became a calling card for what he could do with a bigger canvas and that's where David Heyman and the Heyday team will have identified him as a particular kind of very sort of warm, humane visualist um, who sort of stays on the right side of whimsy and I think you watch the Paddington films and you can see that albeit kind of played out in a bigger way but would he have would he have got to Paddington from television without Bunny and the Bull. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe. But I just think that that's really where I feel our intervention is most powerful by allowing filmmakers to say, this is who I am. We asked Ben what changed in the film fans' approach to make sure that they hit their diversity targets. Yeah, I think quite a few things happened, actually. Because the first thing to say is that, actually, obviously we know the characteristics 
the protected characteristics of some filmmakers when they come to us, but some of them we don't know, and we don't have any access to the information that's populated in a diversity monitoring form. Like that's not something we have sight of. And we're also not, just to be clear, kind of looking at a set of diversity characteristics and going, oh, we need three of these, two of these, one of these to hit our targets. I mean, it actually didn't happen like that. I think what, what has happened is, firstly, we have definitely moved more strategically towards supporting a higher number of emerging filmmakers. So there are more first and second features on our slate. Um, I think 50% of our slate in the last calendar year was debuts and, and another 20 to 30% was second features. So, and the reason that's relevant is because our talent programs through the network are also now really starting to establish themselves and deliver directors and writers from those talent programs into making their first features. And because those talent programs for five or six years now have been so heavily focused on diversifying the talent pool, what's naturally coming through is more women, more people of colour, uh, much more sort of diversity from a kind of regionality perspective because we've, we've been funding at a national level. So... You know, as it relates to the, you know, Directors UK's 50, 50 by 2020 challenge, sure. target, we actually didn't have to try in any way to hit it, which is great because the volume of filmmakers who are coming through our programmes just means that we, you know, we turned down a lot of stuff. I mean, one productions I was probably turning down 80 to 90 percent of applications just because of the size of the fund um, but there was an abundance of material and talent and choice that was coming through so actually getting to a getting to a kind of parity in terms of gender um, was something that I feel we fit quite quickly I mean there are some nuances to that and there are some sort of hidden layers I think in terms of still some issues around who those filmmakers are and how diverse is that sort of is that set of women filmmakers in, in the same way as sort of diversity of the set of male filmmakers what's their backgrounds you know this there are let there are layers and layers once you start sort of focusing on this and i think we have to be very careful not to assume that we've hit some kind of gender parity and therefore we can chill out because the truth is that in that financial year, that group of filmmakers was predominantly white, um, and it, I think it's going to. I think that's going to evolve in the year that we're currently in. Um, but to me, that's not. You know, that's not good enough. So there's still some work for us to do there in terms of um, it, it kind of being a kind of truly diverse set of filmmakers. But still, it was proof that we could get somewhere quite easily. I think the other thing that's changed that's worth mentioning is that we're, we're funding a larger proportion of the film's budget than I think we were five years ago. And in some instances, particularly on first and second films, we're funding, we have funded in excess of 50% or 60% of the budget. 
we've given ourselves permission to fund 100% of a budget if we really want to do something. And I think that help, that that helps us get those filmmakers that we want to support all the way to f- being financed. Because there's a big difference between in a year what we commit to and say we want to support this and those films that actually get made. Mm. Because where we're not the only financier, other market forces start to come into play in terms of where's the rest of the money coming from, who are the distribution partners, who's selling the film internationally. So I've often been frustrated in previous years that taking gender, for example, that we might have actually committed 70% of our funds at a point in the year to women, but when it shakes down into the films that make it over the line in terms of finance, it was falling down to 35 or 40%. So I think that has, is helping us fully deliver on what we want to achieve by being more, more in control of the financing. We asked Ben what he thought directors could do to help encourage diversity, not just in their funding applications, but in the industry at large. Yeah, I mean, God, so much. And it's, it's something we don't talk about enough, actually, which is that, you know, the director is responsible for so many creative decisions on a set and, um, and, not, and on off a set as well. And we have, alongside our targets, we, we established our diversity standards, which talk about creative leadership more broadly. And they're a framework for best practice that we're encouraging all of the industry to adopt that look at where you can, regardless of the shape and size of your project, where you can demonstrate inclusive creative leadership. And regardless of the characteristics of the director themselves, they are making a series of choices very early on in the project, often by the time the projects even come to us for funding, around who their heads of department are and uh, who their regular crew is. And, you know, I get it. People like working with their, their crew. Um, but I think, there's, I think there's a real shared responsibility with directors around looking at creating opportunities that perhaps on are not the, the regular gang. And whether that's a, a kind of head of department level or a middle, you know, a mid-level crew, um, or at an entry level, you know, creating an inclusive environment for production largely falls down to the creative leadership on the production and that's largely down to the director and the producer or maybe the, you know, the, the, then the line producer on a kind of practical level so there's there's a lot that the director could do to bring and certainly we respond to this when we see an application to sort of bring opportunity beyond themselves into the makeup of the team Sarah Gavron's a really good example of someone who brought her new film rocks to us or developed it it's been in development for a while and she you know it's a film about girls and young women in south london and it's quite a diverse group of young women living life as teenagers and in order to tell that story i felt that she and her producers were very conscious of the what kind of collaborative process they were going to go through to make sure that the 
story they were telling was as authentic as, as possible. And they had the cast and crew uh, last Sunday, actually. And it was really striking to me just what a sort of diverse and collaborative effort that was. And what you see on the screen, you sort of feel in your heart is true and representative and has a real energy to it as well. And that was pretty much down to Sarah saying, I'm not going to make this film on my own. Ben told us about how to apply to the film fund. Because of the way in which we fund, which is very different to BBC Films or Film 4, you know, we're not a commissioner, we don't invite people in, we're an open access fund. You have to put an application to us through our website. Which actually lots of people find really annoying, but I would say it's actually a very democratic process. You know, you can't put an application in to the other public funders. You find a way to submit, but you can't actually put an application in. So the opportunity to take a form, which again is not actually a very complicated form, and use that opportunity really well to articulate everything you want to tell us about your project that matters, and you think it's going to matter to us. That's your shot, because we read that form before we read a script. The form tells us everything. So it's not just a kind of bureaucratic process stage that you have to go through. It's actually really, really important. We get a lot of information out of that. And um, we recently put some funding priorities onto the website to help producers or whoever's filling out our application form most clearly articulate that project as it relates to our funding priorities. So that might be a very different version of the project to how you might communicate it to a private equity financier of where it's about opportunity to recoup. And that's I think that's a tool that's a sort of tool that we didn't really give applicants before, which was like this is what we're looking for. Can you really strongly articulate a vision for your film that sits against that? And if you can't, it's probably not worth applying to us with this project because that's where our filter starts. Well, I think everyone should remember that we turn down most things, certainly in production terms, and that makes us quite unpopular in some respects. And I think it's impossible for someone not to take a rejection personally, not least because I think it's always worth me sort of emphasising that we are always overwhelmed with applications and we're not actually a very big team. So we don't have a huge amount of bandwidth to start communicating in a great deal of detail why we haven't supported something. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to just surface our funding priorities so a bit of self-reflection can take place from the producer or the director around the project. Um, but if we, if we turn something down, and it might be that we turn down multiple projects from a filmmaker, it, that doesn't mean we don't have any belief in the filmmaker. There is something of a kind of numbers game at play in terms of how much we can feasibly do so I definitely say don't don't take it as a a view of the BFI that we don't rate you as a filmmaker uh, it might be wrong wrong project for us I think the other the other strate strate 
strategic point I'd make to directors is think about how many projects you're attached to with different producers that might be coming to us at the same time. Because what we receive is the, you know, the very basic evidence of maybe on occasion two or three projects coming in with the director attached. They're not always, they don't always necessarily relate to each other very clearly. And we're just not quite sure then how to understand the filmmaker. Because we, I, I would say that we try not to support projects in isolation based on a concept without really understanding how it's going to benefit that filmmaker's mm. progression. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be step one to step two. We do support filmmakers who are at much more advanced steps in their career. But why would we support it with our particular fund? And what, are you what is this project and your decision to make this project telling us about you as a filmmaker? We asked Ben about documentary funding and why the Doc Society joined to help administer factual funding on behalf of the BFI. Documentary funding runs to a slightly different rhythm. Um, it, there's, funding sort of drips out in stages much more. The level of development of a project at which a documentary typically came to us was all over the map, from concept to nearly finished. And it's much more kind of granular work um, without any less kind of paperwork needing to be done. So we just decided that it probably wasn't necessary for us to deliver that bit of funding ourselves and that we could focus on scripted work and let another expert partner focus on the documentary community. And they run their funding in rounds they run they run two types of funding they run um, the long-form project funding and they also run uh, short funds for us as part of network for our talent programs um, they do unlike I mean all our funds are just open all year round but doc, uh, doc society do run their they do run their funding in calls that have deadlines and then they select from them but they've been great yeah second year um, I hope they've been doing a lot of outreach. I hope that the you know documentary filmmakers uh, in Directors UK have found the collegiate and helpful. I think they've been really, really great. But yeah, all documentary goes there. We ended by asking Ben what he was most pleased with and what he'd like to see more of. Well, I, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but. I do think that every year now we are seeing a handful of filmmakers emerging who are genuinely exciting and seem to me to have the potential to go a very long way in having really fulfilling creative careers. Um, I think will be of you know, value to the wider industry. It won't necessarily have to sort of stay in, stay in the kind of public public sector space. So, I mean, look, we, we, we're very speculative and we're very high risk, so we do support and embrace a lot of failure. And I find lots of our, however you, however you kind of quantify failure, but I, I just don't want many, if any, of the films to be supported boring. So as long as they're not boring, 
I think we're doing we're doing what I think we should be doing. Looking to the future, um, definitely need to continue to um, diversify the talent pool. And we're also starting to think about form um, and platform in terms of what we support. So, you know, we've, we've slightly taken the edges off our guidelines in terms of length of work that we can support. So we can support much longer work, we can support slightly shorter work, um, we can support episodic work, interactive work, immersive work. So that interests me in terms of um, what we might see and who we might see coming to us from a, um, a different background or a different practice. Thanks so much to Ben for meeting us and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. 